Triple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the premier podcast shining light on sex and disability with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark with Andrew Gerza. Shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're back for a brand new episode of Disability After Dark. I, this is, I'm just really excited you're here and you want to listen to the show and you want to talk about sex and disability with me, so let's do that right now. Before we go any further, I wanted to put out a suggestion. It was brought to my attention a few weeks ago that the tagline for this show, Shining a Bright Light on Sex and Disability, might be an issue for individuals with visual impairments or individuals who identify as blind and can't see. I posted on Facebook and people said that I should keep the name the way it is. Some people suggested a change. Some people wanted it to be a little bit more inclusive. So I am putting it to you, my faithful audience. If I were to change the tagline of Disability After Dark and make it something a little bit more inclusive around sexuality and disability to take out the potential for an ableist slur or an ableist connotation of what I'm saying, what what is it that you would want to change the tagline to? Disability After Dark, the premier show about sex and disability, the sexiest show about sex and disability, the only podcast about sex and disability, which one, which tagline do you think I should use? Or do you have a suggestion of your own? So if you do, send me an email at andrew at Let me know what you think. Send me a tweet at andrewgerza.com. Send me your suggestions and I'll look them over. And if they fit, I'm more than happy to change the tagline to something a little bit more inclusive. But now, let's start the show. Alright, talking about sex and disability makes me extremely happy. Happy in a lot of ways, actually. It's where I've made my bread and butter. It's where I've set up camp. It's my niche. It's where I have situated myself in the world because these are conversations that I want to talk about and these are experiences that I want to bring to a wider audience. And generally, when I talk about sex and disability on this podcast or in an article or on an interview, I am grinning ear to ear because it just makes me so happy to be given this platform and, a, and platforms like this to tell my story and to bring my viewpoints to, to other people. Typically, when I talk about sex and disability, I can't stop smiling. I'm a big sex geek nerd. That's my, it's my jam. It just, it, it's, it's my jam. 80s pop, bad Chinese food, and sex geekdom is my thing. Um, so, it, I mean, it, it really makes me happy, except when I have to talk about it in this context. What I want to talk about today didn't make me happy at all. In fact, it pissed me right off, and I wanted to bring it to you, my faithful listeners, because I wanted to talk about it. I wanted to unpack it. I wanted to vent about it, quite frankly. And so let me delve into the topic with you and why I'm so mad about it. 
So I was on the internet the other day, scrolling around and looking and stuff and just being, you know, doing what we all kind of do in the morning, waking up and checking the tweets and uh, checking the Facebook and looking at all the things and trying to find topic ideas for this lovely program and looking at, you know, just kind of doing that and also, you know, getting up and being grumbly and having coffee and all those things. And I was looking also, of course, at porn and things that I could fap to later as we all do in the morning. That's what I was up to. So I was looking on social media that one morning and I came across a news story, a news story that caught my attention. A celebrity out of the UK with a disabled son wanted to hire a sex worker for her son. Okay, there are so many things that I initially reacted to about this. It was like if you had been watching... If anybody's seen Game of Thrones, you know in season two when the Red Wedding happened, the reaction videos of people freaking out, that's the kind of faces that I made when I read this article. I just couldn't believe I was reading this. I was shocked. I was dismayed. I was angry. I I was so disturbed to see this in my news feed and to see... Some of the comments from individuals talking about this in my newsfeed, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So I don't even know where to begin. I had a whole range of emotions when I read this story. And I want to sum up the story for you directly from the news cycle site so we can kind of parse through the story together and you can see how ridiculous and how ableist the story actually is. Okay, so I'm reading this directly from the news site from... The Sun News Cycle in Australia, the the title for the, the headline for the article is Katie Price Wants to Hire a Sex Worker for Disabled Son. And it's from July 13th, 2017. Um, Katie Price, I guess, is a, is a glamour girl, according to this news article. I recognize the name very briefly. I feel like she was also on some weird reality TV show back in the day. I don't know, but... She's some sort of like C-list celebrity in either Australia or the UK. I'm guessing the UK um, because she was on a UK talk show. But she, it says here, Katie Price is considering hiring a sex worker for her disabled son, Harvey, when he turns 18. And there is a picture that I'm looking at from the news cycle of Katie Price looking very celebrityed up on this news program with her son, sitting beside her, not really, maybe possibly not really understanding what is happening here. And she's sitting um, next to him, almost completely not really paying attention to what's happening to her son. And so the article goes on to say that the former Glamour Girl revealed she wants the teenager to be able to experience sex, but the candid chat was interrupted by technical difficulties. We'll get into that in a minute. But she pretty much said in this news cycle that... um, she she wants she discussed the issue with her husband about about having uh hiring a sex worker for her son when he turned 18 uh the article itself is horribly ableist in the way that it it depicts Harvey this child it uses the word suffers like seven times to discuss his disability um, and the number of, of things he is living with and experiencing. Um, it talks about how 
Katie Price, his mom, fears he may never be able to form a real relationship with a woman, not even taking into account the fact that he may not be attracted to women. He may fall somewhere completely different on the spectrum. The fact that, I mean, there are so many issues with it. There are so many issues. Um, The article says, quote, that she admits he has normal sexual urges. So the star and her partner, Kieran, have talked about whether they should hire a professional to allow Harvey to have sex. I... I mean, I'm just so flabbergasted. I made notes. I wrote things down about it that I was going to, like, t- touch on. But even rereading this, I just can't. I just am so... It's just disgusting, quite frankly, the way that this D-list celebrity, Katie Price, is trotting out her son to make a buck to talk about these things. It's just... I can't... I'm just... I'm hurt for this child. And so some of the things that I wrote down were, first of all, I wish I could say that I haven't ever seen something like this happen before, but unfortunately, these kind of salacious news stories about sex and disability are out there and pop up from time to time. Coincidentally, around the same time this news article came out, another one came out talking about a very the, a, the very same issue, which I'll get to in just a minute, but I want to touch on my on my first thoughts about what I thought about this. The overarching thought I had, really, quite frankly, is being the lack of privacy and exploitation of disabled people's sexuality. Why would you go to a news outlet of any kind to talk about your son, your child's sexuality to the world? How dare you? Does this young man, this young person, who maybe just just coming into their own around their sexuality and their bodies and who they are. When I was 15, as you know from episode 14, when I talk about being a teenager, I was awkward as fuck. I didn't understand my body, and I certainly didn't want to go on a news program to have my body and my experiences parsed out by some idiot newscast. I couldn't imagine if that was happening um, to me at 15. I would just be beside myself in horror having someone do that to me, let alone my mother. Um, The young man deserves privacy. Privacy is something that we as disabled people have been denied on a daily basis. We are denied it through the institutions where we live. The people who work with us deny us privacy. People that we spend time with deny us privacy. We understand that we never, for some of us with disabilities, who need more assistance, privacy is not something you ever get. It's a luxury you get to think about, but it's something you never get. And there are moments in my life, and there are things that I will never talk about, things that are mine that I will never give to anybody because I value the idea of privacy because it's something that as a disabled man, for myself, I have been constantly constantly denied and it is something that if it was taken away from me in this fashion by my parent and then brought to a news outlet I would be mortified mortified absolutely mortified don't we all have the right to explore our sexuality at our own pace and don't we all have the right to say I don't want to talk about this right now and don't we have the right as people generally to 
decide for ourselves how we want to express ourselves sexually. I just think that this is so wrong, and that's why I keep repeating a lot of stuff. Um, I know some of you are like, Andrew, you repeat lots of things, but this this needs to be repeated. This is wrong. This is horrible, and I don't think that you that anyone should exploit their disabled child, their child, period, but especially their disabled child, and then to try to profit off of that. It's just... It, it's just despicable. I, it's despicable. I talked a moment ago about another story that came out around the same time that the one that the one with Katie Price came out. There was another one that came out around Kathy Lett, who's an author in the UK with a similarly son living with autism, who also went to a news outlet to discuss her trying to hire a sex worker, or as the article so crudely puts it, a call girl for her son. The article says, from the Mail Online in the UK, published July 9th, said, says in the headline, I tried to hire a call girl to teach my shy autistic boy the joy of sex. Desperate mother, shocking solution to help her, her lost, lonely, savant son find love. Ew. I don't even want to touch the fact that the media is blowing this out of proportion. It is, it, it is such a such a misrepresentation and a violation of the privacy of these individuals. But but moreover, the way you are painting the mother as the hero and the son as this the sons as these sad, decrepit individuals who can't care for the who can't care for themselves or who who will never find love because of their disabilities. It's so reinforcing the ableism that we experience all the time. I just, I, it, it really, it hurts me that we are still in 2017 when we talk about sex and disability. This is the kind of, these are the kind of news stories that get attention. And it it's troubling that we're still talking about it this way. So, I want to touch on this article a little bit because I think this one is, well, I have the same issues with it as I have with the last one. This one talks a little bit more about the relationship that this gentleman has with his mother. But again, of course, of course, it's from his able-bodied mother's perspective and she's writing about it as a mom. And the very first line is, will I ever have a girlfriend, mom? My tall, handsome son asked me one night, I just don't seem to be on the same wavelength as girls my age. No woman ever seems to pick up my signal. The article goes on to say he has he has autism and he has trouble he has trouble making social connections and so she um she talks about how girls made fun of him and he, that he was telling her all these stories. Okay, let's let's backtrack for a minute. He was telling her all these stories in what I would hope, what I, what one would think is a private, safe space with which he could do that. And, like, I I talked to my mom just the other day about something that happened to me, guys ghosting me and, and people that I liked not texting me back and me feeling super kind of sad about it and super worried that I would not find somebody. And, and I was at home with my mom, and I broke down and cried, and I... I was like, I, I need to talk to you. And I we had a big 
moment together where we hugged and we embraced. And I, I literally broke down and just had a moment where I had had enough of all this stuff. And But I was telling my mother that in confidence. I was telling her that in a safe space with which to do that. I wasn't thinking that she would go to a news outlet right after telling me this and say, oh, my son is having concerns. I thought about hiring him a sex worker because I want to I want to fix him. I want to make him better. I want to I I want to do this for him as if I'm some savior. It's really concerning and troubling and disgusting. I'll say it again. It's disgusting that you would put your son in that position and parade him around as if his issues, which can be hard enough when you're growing up and you have a disability, and these things are happening to you, or you're, you're, you're dealing with disability and you need someone to talk to, and you go to your parent and they do this to you, it, it's just the worst. If my mom did that to me, I would be mortified. I would cut ties with her and I'd move on. And the fact that these women go to the media, large media outlets in the UK as well, to tell these stories is really, really troubling and really, really disgusting. It doesn't make you a good parent when you violate your child's trust like that, especially when it's something about something when it's about something as sensitive as sex and disability. It doesn't make you a savior to go to a news outlet and talk about that. It makes you somebody who needs to take a parenting class and talk to your child and apologize to your child. All right, so you've heard my outrage and my anger over this kind of stuff happening to these people and being having their sexualities exploited and paraded around. I, I think it's wrong. We're going to take a brief break, and then I'm going to share some articles from some awesome disability scholars about privacy, consent, and these issues that I think we need to touch on some more. So let's take a break, and we'll be right back on Disability After Dark. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, this is Carrie Wade. I am a professional disabled person and a writer over at autostraddle.com. And I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. And you should tune in too. I hope you enjoyed the ad from our sponsor, Come As You Are. They're amazing. I hope that you also enjoyed the ad from our awesome listeners. Um, and if you want to record your own ad for the show, when we decide on a new tagline, if we do, you can always send your recording via your phone, via email, lots of ways to send the recording to, to andrewandandrewgerza.com. You can email me, let, you, let me know you want to record an ad for the show, and then I will send you the text. So that'd be great. So please, please record one if you want. Now, back to the show. I was happy to discover that I was not the only one who had some feelings about these articles 
and who wrote stuff about it and who was concerned, very concerned, dismayed, and also disgusted by what they were seeing. But before I get to, to the other disability scholars who touched on this issue, there was something in the news cycle a couple years ago that I rem remembered when I was thinking about parts for this episode that I really wanted to bring to the attention. So I'm going to do that first, and then we'll get to the, the, the awesome disability scholars. There's a father in South Africa who who writes a blog called, and I'm going to just do a content warning, what I'm about to say may be triggering and may, ha may, may cause some concern, so if you don't want to listen, you can move past this part um, and then get come back on when the Disability Scholar part's ready. But just wanted to make that content warning. Um, here we go. So there's a father in South Africa who writes a blog, and I swear to God, this is what the blog is called, Why I Masturbate My Son. I remember reading about this two years ago and being being very concerned about this. This is a gentleman out of South Africa with a, with a severely disabled son um, who, and the blog, what I'm reading is the father talking about um, his son's disability and how his son has an intellectual disability and how his son is is verbally limited and how his son um, has, quote, suffered major illnesses throughout his life. Um, and so he talks about how he has to bathe his son, clean his son, diaper his son, all these things you would have to do for your son. Listen... For your disabled kid, you got to do a lot of things. But what what he says next is concerning. He talks about how, at the age of seventeen, he would notice that his son would express sexuality by having an erection, and he he is very very blunt about this. Um, and why I'm being so blunt about it and talking about this is because I can't believe that he wrote this in a blog for somebody to read. I can't believe that he wrote this in a blog for somebody to read. It's just so, so disturbing. It's so, so disturbing. Um, and he talks about how his son, how he learned about therapeutic masturbation and learned to masturbate his son. I just feel like there's something seriously wrong with that. I think... That if you want to help your kid out, you need to sit and talk to your child. And if your child has intellectual disabilities, you need to find a way to communicate consent to your child. This article where this father talks about masturbating his son, he uses consent a lot, but it just feels like, why would you, why would you then need to write a blog about it? If this is something that you have figured out with your son and your son consents to it, and communicates that consent in one way or another. Why, why, why do you feel the need to write a blog about it? And so, I just wanted to express my concern over these parents taking extreme liberties and putting this stuff in the internet, on the internet, in the ether, without necessarily talking to their children. That part of consent is really, really concerning. And as you'll see when we talk about the disability scholar issue. 
when the disability scholars come in to talk about the issue, rather, they talk about that a lot. Let's do that now. Let's, let's shift gears and see what other disability scholars had to say. One of my favorite disability activists and people out there doing great work around disability and writing great stuff, Carly Findlay out of Australia, wrote a great piece for Kids Spot Parenting, uh, a blog out of Australia where she talks about the Katie Price, Kathy Lett issue, and she says that she believes that these parents should not have been the ones to tell this story. And as as you've heard me say, I agree with this. Um, she says, I've never seen a parent, a parent of an adult without a disability discuss their child's sex life in the media. Never. Yet this week, I've seen two mothers talk about hiring sex workers for their children with disability. And then she recounts the story that, that we just talked about. And then she says, does the world need to be told? Quote, it's rare that people with disabilities are afforded privacy in a medical setting, on the street from strangers, in the media, and in the cases of Latin Price's sons, from their own parents. Strangers are often curious about the way our bodies work, curious about the other. One common question disabled people encounter is how we have sex, whether we have sex even. Additionally, people with disabilities are often regarded as undesirable and non-sexual beings. She goes on to, to discuss infantilization, um, the curiosity around sex and disability. But what hits home for me is that she says, we all have the right to privacy. Quote, as well as disability giving people unwanted permission to ask about the intimate intricacies of our lives, it gives some parents permission to share those details publicly. It's usually justified as helping other families. Some commenters are saying that they're grateful for these stories being shared because it offers hope for their children with disability and justifying that it's an outlet for exacerbated parents to share their difficulties. But I haven't seen anyone say they would be relieved to see an article about a mother's fear or wish for her non-disabled child's sex life. I have to agree with that. Would you, if you had a non-disabled child, would you put an article out? Do you, would you feel the need to put an article out? Would you? And I, I, really, I totally agree with what Carly is saying. And one of the quotes from this article that I love so much is, Our sex lives aren't newsworthy, and they aren't always different to yours. I totally agree with that. Although I do take a, a slightly different stance, I believe that my, I am choosing to tell my story via the podcast, via news articles, things like that. But when news outlets come to me, I agree with her. They are not they are not newsworthy and they should not be exploited in this way. One of the simplest questions that Carly asks throughout her piece is this. Would you, as the reader, like intimate details about your lives to be splashed across the media? These are the questions you need to ask when you see a heartwarming yet oversharing story about disability. Carly is so right, and I couldn't agree with her more. I want to thank her for allowing me to use excerpts of this piece in the podcast. I will put her contact information and her website in the show notes. CarlyFinley.com.au is her website. She's writing her first book, which will be published 
by HarperCollins in 2018. She is somebody you should follow immediately. I cannot wait for her book to come out. I'm going to tell you more about other scholars who talk about this issue around privacy, consent, sexuality, and disability. Kim Sauter, an awesome disability scholar who writes crippled Sco- the Crippled Scholar blog, who you should also all pause and follow immediately, wrote a great piece on the issues around consent, around this kind of stuff being in the media and hiring sex workers for your kids, for your disabled sons. And she wrote, she had some really great points about that that I'd like to touch on. The article she wrote is in her blog and it is called Issues of Disabled Sexuality and Consent When Parents Get Involved in Their Child in Their Children's Sex Life. She posted this on July 9th. It's at her blog, crippledscholar.com. Go there immediately. It's a very important read. But she talks about basically how nowhere in this article, particularly referring to Kathy Lett, does she talk to her son about consent. So the worst case scenario here, as she says in her, in, as Kim points out in her article, is that she ends up presenting her son with a sex worker, ends up pressuring him into a sexual experience that he does not want, and is thus, along with the sex worker, complicit in a sexual assault. You know, I never thought about it that way until I read this passage from her, from her, um, from her her blog. She would be complicit in sexual assault. It's really disturbing to think of it that way, but it's true. The very idea that, and she says this in an article, and I'm quoting this. The very idea that you could simply present somebody with a willing partner and assume they would automatically be attracted to that person and in the mood for the sexual liaison is absurd. The level of the hopelessness that led to scribes about her son, I'm still quoting here, ever finding a girlfriend, which he does eventually do all by himself, is unnecessarily exaggerated. He's in his early 20s. Contrary narratives in popular culture... It is still not entirely uncommon for people, regardless of disability, to have not had a a successful relationship by the time they are 21. One of the things that Kim also brings up in this piece, which I loved, was that there's a masculine-centered nature of these disability and sex worker narratives. The horrific failure of consent that that is the let example aside, these stories are frequently couched in a need to explore and affirm sexuality, but they're almost always focused on men. I've never heard a narrative written by a disabled woman or from the parent of a disabled woman in which they seek a sex worker. Again, this is a great viewpoint that I didn't think of, and Kim is right to bring it up. Where are those stories? Why are, why are women left out of this discussion? It is problematic. But as Kim says... People with disabilities should be allowed to make these these decisions and these expressions of sexuality themselves. She says, ultimately, the expression of sexuality by disabled people should be led by them, even in circumstances where third-party assistance might be necessary to fulfill the expression of sexuality. The decision on, on how and with whom should always come from the disabled person themselves, not from a parent or anyone else. I also want to touch on the media here just a little bit. 
why do you think it's okay to put that out there? When some staffer got the call from Kathy Lett and Katie Price saying, hey, I want to bring my son out to exploit their sexuality, wasn't there something in your gut that told you this was not a good idea? Wasn't there something in yourself that was like, you know, maybe you should stop here? So to all the media outlets who ran this story and who thought about doing stories like this, from the parents of people with disabilities saying, I want to exploit my child's sexual exploits, whether or not they realize how ableist and problematic that is, if they come to you, just say no. Say no, I'm not running the story. Say if, the, if your child wants to talk about it with me of their own volition, sure, we can run the story. But if it's you as a parent up there simply making a case for why you're going to save your child from the sexless world of from not having sex, just as a media outlet, say no. Just say no. Think about the detriment of, of what saying yes would do to a disabled person's self-esteem and their sexual, their sexual growth from then on in. Quite honestly, I don't have too much else to say here, except that we need to look at these articles and these stories that are coming out around parents exploiting their children's sexual, their disabled children's sexuality and not asking for consent through much more critical eyes. And we need to consider the feelings of the individuals with disabilities and what telling these stories without consent will do for them, for their self-esteem, their sexual growth, and their understanding of themselves later in life. Thanks for letting me vent here and for getting out my feelings about this and for really telling, telling how I really felt about how disturbing this stuff was. And I think, I hope that this sparked a conversation so that the next time you see a heartwarming story about this kind of stuff, and I put heartwarming in quotes when I said that, heartwarming story about this kind of stuff, you consider it differently. Thanks for listening. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, honest, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Hey guys, just a brief production note. Disability After Dark will now be going live every other Monday, every two weeks on Monday at 5 a.m. Eastern Time. So be sure to 
subscribe to the channel and be ready for that. But know that we'll be moving away from a once a week format. Just for the next little bit, I'm going to see how I feel about it because producing a weekly episode is a lot of work and I'd like to dedicate more time to curating guests, getting some more interviews and all that kind of stuff and doing research, more research for the episodes that I produce. So I'm going to produce it every other week, every other Monday at 5 a.m. Disability After Dark will go live on all podcast platforms and andrewgerza.com. Thanks, guys. Bye. Copyright Notice. This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.